Welcome to Trade Finance Talks, a podcast from Trade Finance Global. During this series, we'll be hearing from global experts, as well as learning about the latest trends, technology and insights in the world of international trade and receivables finance. Episode 89. I think most people in the industry have heard of the Henry Ong scandal, which directly affected Singapore. And, uh, you know, it was basically financing of uh, oil reserve or what have you, that same company used uh, with multiple lenders. My name is Pesh Patel, editor at Trade Finance Global. Fighting financial crime and preventing duplicate financing are some of today's top priorities for the industry, as recently highlighted by the Association of Banks in Singapore. These otherwise manual-intensive, time-consuming and error-prone processes can be drastically streamlined with the help of digital tools. To discuss how technology can help cut costs and reduce fraud in trade finance with the help of tools like the Trade Finance Registry, I'm joined today by Jesse Chenard, CEO and founder of Manita Go. Jesse, thank you for joining me on Trade Finance Talks. Thank you, Debesh. It's great to be here. So, Jesse, tell us a bit more about you, your background in the organization Manita Go. Um, I've been doing uh, technology startups for about 22 years. I guess that makes me uh, a veteran or either that or an old man. We started Manetigo uh, about seven years ago. And really, we were sort of looking at the new digital technologies that were emerging, such as blockchain, secure computing, and figuring out how they could be used to basically streamline or improve the trade finance process. On our journey, we, much like a, a lot of companies looking at blockchains, uh, started out saying blockchain, 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 and realized that wasn't a real application so much as a technology technology that could be used in this process. As we were basically throwing spaghetti at the wall, trying to figure out what would stick and what would be palatable, what would be regulatory compliant, uh, we came across a use case amongst three receivables financing exchanges in India, the, the Treads exchanges they're called. And the problem that they had, it was permissible for a supplier to upload the invoice to all three of the platforms. But subsequently, they also learned that the supplier could then finance on all three of the platforms and they had no way of communicating this with each other. One of the challenges, obviously, is that they were all competitors, so they didn't really want to share the raw data with each other. So we came up with what we thought was a somewhat novel solution, hashing uh, certain elements of the invoice and then creating basically what we call a fingerprint and publishing that to a common network amongst them. What that does is basically enables them to, if they are presented with an invoice, create this unique fingerprint and identify whether it's been financed elsewhere in the ecosystem. Initially, we thought great first use case. It was one of the first blockchains deployed in the enterprise space in the day-to-day use case in the financial services industry. This is an interesting use case move on. But as the industry got wind of it, other factoring companies banks and what have you in India started coming to us and asking if they could join the network. That was a bit of a light bulb moment for us in, in that uh, we realized this wasn't just a problem for these three exchanges. It was a problem endemic in the industry in India, but then also globally. So with our work with them in India and a number of the banks there, we got the attention of Swift in India. They came to us and said, we'd really love to resell this service to the banks. And then as the industry started to evolve and take note of, of these problems, we realized there was an opportunity to not just take this to other regions, such as Singapore, with the trade finance registry, but also to figure out a global solution. So we partnered with Swift about two years ago, Swift Global. I think we're one of the first fintechs to be using their global API directly to deliver this service. That's going to launch in Q3 of this year, whereby we will have what's called a global hash registry, which integrates with these local registries to enable identification of financing, not just on invoices. We've expanded to other documents and items such as letters of credit, bills of lading, purchase orders, warehouse receipts, things like that, to uh, basically long-term 
platform, obviously the goal is to spider the ecosystem and have most major financiers on board this platform to basically identify and hopefully eliminate uh, duplicate financing. Thank you very much. So really good overview there. And I think particularly highlighting some of those issues around duplicate financing or, or round tripping and Manitago's solution there. Can you talk a little bit more about that secure financing platform and how lenders use that, but also not just from an India perspective, but more from a global perspective? As I said, we started on a blockchain for this. Initially, it was Hyperledger Fabric. As we started to read some scaling issues with that, we ported it over to R3's Corda. And then as we looked at taking this to a global scale and having the potentially millions of transactions a day on the platform. But we realized that that also was going to be a limitation. In conjunction, well, we partnered with Google with their secure computing product, basically have created a blockchain-like system. So when a financier is presented with a document, and these are our clients, we're going to go after the financiers. We don't need to bring on suppliers or buyers or any other part of the ecosystem because the financier is the one taking the risk on this. When a financier is presented with a document, they can either integrate directly with an API, so they're doing straight through processing in their back office systems, this check in real time, or they can use a simple UI to upload a batch of documents or what have you that they can export from their system. It's done on a per transaction basis. So there's no subscription for the platform. There's no big upfront licensing fees. And every time they check a document, they get charged basically pennies on the dollar in general to do a document check. That enables us to bring on the lower end of the ecosystem. We've taken great pains as well to start working with uh, back office systems, uh, you know, probably the likes of which you've heard, HPD landscapes, kind of systems, things like that, to work with them to basically integrate into their platforms. For us, it's all about trying to make it as simple as possible. One of the things that we've learned is it's hard to change an entire ecosystem, even within one institution, let alone trying to get everybody in lockstep on this. So instead of saying, here's a whole new platform for all of your trade finance, you know, um, sort of A to Z through the transaction, we basically just say, look, we're just solving this one discrete problem. If you're digital, you can quite easily integrate by API. If you're not digital, you can use a UI, upload it, and still get the same benefits out of the platform. Well, hopefully, is something that everyone in the industry can use, whether they're very tech savvy, whether they're connected to different uh, finance networks, which we've also taken more to integrate with. It's a system that hopefully is just solving this one discrete problem. And such, because of that, it's not as uh, scary as a, a state moving your entire back office on, onto a new system that obviously requires a lot of vetting and massive wholesale change. Thanks, Jesse. And yeah, I guess that's really important in the context of the big, huge challenge that the astounding figure, the 1.7 trillion trade finance gap that was published by the Asian Development Bank. That's the big problem. It's also important to understand where Manitago kind of fits into the wider picture. And it really is around verification and for fraud. And that's the way you're contributing towards closing that gap. Can you talk to us a bit more about those fraud issues brought up by the Association of Banks in Singapore and how Manitago has been involved in tackling this via the finance registry? And perhaps you could give a bit of an overview of what the trade finance registry is. I think most people in the industry have heard of the Hin Leong scandal, which directly affected Singapore. And, uh, you know, it was basically financing of uh, oil reserve or what have you that same company used uh, with multiple lenders. Out of that became quickly identified, and, and it's not just Ding Leong. It's you know there we've got dozens of use cases or examples of where this has happened, and, and across different industries, we've been talking to credit insurers and what have you as well. 
well, because they're often the ones left holding the bag on this, about how this could be integrated. So with Singapore specifically, the MAS and the Association of Banks there, obviously most people in the industry also know Singapore is a very progressive country. They've got a very strong ecosystem for implementing these digital first initiatives. So in response to that scandal, they came out and said, look, we need to figure out as, as a collective how we prevent this from happening. So the trade finance registry is voluntary, although I think long term it will become a best practice if you're a bank and you're financing something and it winds up being duped financed. If you're not voluntarily submitting your documents and information, the regulators are probably going to take a much harsher view on you than others who might be, especially if you contribute to a duplicate financing. The registry itself is quite simple. It uh, accommodates multiple document types, like, like I mentioned, letters of credit, bills of lading, invoices, what have you. It's basically a centralized system whereby these folks can upload their data, and again, by API or UI, and have that data stored. And then, similar to what we've been doing globally as well, identify where a voice or another document has been financed uh, elsewhere. One of the interesting things that we've also done in India and also now working on a global level is integrating with other data sources. We call the deduplication check. But then the other important piece that we do is authentication. So in the case of India, we actually look into the goods and services tax network to see if the invoice has been filed by the supplier and that the details match. We also integrate with their e-way bill system. So a physical shipment of goods, we can do another check there, which gets into a little bit more detail on description of goods and actual shipping details and, and carrier details. On the global level, we've been working with a number of different data sources, all the ones that people have heard of before, to do a similar check. So for example, if I'm financing a shipment of oil or grain or what have you, that's supposed to be going from India to Singapore, but that boat is off the coast of Kenya, that, that might be a red flag for a financier. It's two-pronged. With Singapore, we're looking at integrating with customs data. We're looking at integrating, again, with these, these shipping informations, even down to the point, because we've progressed so far in these days, down to the point where you've got digitally connected devices that could see be in a grain container, check the humidity levels, all sorts of things like that, because that will also sort of dictate what the quality of those goods are. It's kind of an exciting spot. There are obviously so many data sources, so we're being somewhat driven by our customers, because to go and integrate with a thousand different data sources and what have you, it's obviously intensive. But yeah, so like I said, it's really about these two-pronged pieces there, making sure that it hasn't been financed, but then also looking for authenticity, which, you know, going back to sort of the overhead and the document checking and what have you that happens within the industry and the costs that are associated with it. And, and subsequently, the inability to close that trade finance gap by leveraging these digital tools, by leveraging these authentication, and again, importantly, making sure it hasn't been financed elsewhere, we're able to alleviate some of that burden and hopefully streamline the industry a bit. It's a real blueprint integrating with the GS and Niwe bill in India. And actually, I'm sure there'll be lots of similar initiatives in, in other countries that are either live or in progress. And I'm sure Manita Go will look to work with governments around the world to integrate these solutions to offer that fraud prevention piece, which is just so critical for trade and trade finance. So what's next for Manita Go? And it would be good to talk more about your SWIFT partnership. Yeah, absolutely. So as mentioned previously, when we first launched this in India, SWIFT India, which is a separate entity from SWIFT Global, the only one sort of scenario like that in the world, worked with us to offer it to their banks in India. So they're actually a reseller there and they sell it directly to the banks. As that SWIFT Global's attention, because they were involved in setting standards in the ISO 222 messaging formats and things like that, they came to us and said, hey, you know, we're looking to expand what we offer to our banks. And, you know, we think that your service, you know, tackles a very big problem in the industry. How could we work together to basically have the SWIFT API front end, the 
exist for banks. A lot of people look at Swift and, and sort of say, oh, the old dinosaur and, and what have you. As I mentioned before, I've been starting technology companies for 20 some odd years. Some of the most successful ones are where we have a channel or a reseller that's already integrated with these folks. So from a startup perspective, it's magical because as a startup in the fintech space will know, going through the onboarding process with these banks is not easy. There's a lot of IS and IT checks and audits and things like that that have to be done. The work that we've done with Swift over the last two years in onboarding onto their API gives the banks that assurance that Swift has already gone through and done all that check. So all those checks for us, it's a quicker way to get these guys comfortable with what we're offering with a name that they know and trust, but also be able to really sort of tackle the whole industry at once. The next thing for us, as I said, our global hash registry launches in Q3 of this year. We've got a number of the major trade finance banks already trialing the platform. Fantastic buy-in. The feedback is, is that this is super easy. It's almost like a light bulb moment for most people where they go, geez, this is well, why we do this before. Because as I say, it's, it's a way that could be done integratory compliant. Lenders understand that no PII or private data is being shared across the borders and things like that. Somewhat of a dead simple way to do it. And as I always say to a lot of people, technology isn't necessarily the problem here. It's tackling that lack of education or educating these folks, not just on the industry side, but the regulatory side of central banks, uh, governments and what have you, as to how these things can be implemented and done in such a way that doesn't run afoul of any current laws or uh, compliance issues, but can be done quite elegantly, if I will say. The future for us is really about pushing this out to the industry. Our focus is that a lot of people will say, well, don't you need everybody in the ecosystem to be on the platform to make it effective? And that would make it 100% effective. But even if you're in statistics, You'll know that if you get the top two or three that cover, you know, say even 50, 60, 70, 80, 90 percent of the market, you get some pretty broad coverage immediately. With our experience in India, we started with less than one percent of the market. The trends exchanges have now grown exponentially and, and are, are starting to become a larger piece of that market. But even there, we were seeing a fraud hit rate of, of anywhere from 0.5 to 1 percent just amongst those participants. So even without getting the full ecosystem on, as long as you get a, enough of the key participants, it becomes effective and then obviously grows as the Thank you, Jesse. I think some really interesting and important insights. And I guess as a successful serial entrepreneur, some really good lessons and tips you've been able to share with the industry around partnership, what works, the educational piece is not necessarily just a, a technology problem. So it's been really good having you on Trade Finance Talks and we look forward to hearing from you soon. Absolutely, Debesh. And appreciate you guys having us on. Look forward to continuing to uh, consume your, your podcasts and, and the information that you guys provide. Thanks for listening to Trade Finance Talks. Be sure to subscribe to our podcasts at tradefinanceglobal.com.